Well, welcome to FBC. I am Joe Andrews. If you're a guest here, I'm not the pastor. If you didn't catch him up here earlier, he's over here to my uh, right. He's taken a week off, and frankly, I think we all needed a break. Uh, Thank you for that, Pastor. We really appreciate that. Uh, I've been here for for six and a half years now. Um, I love what I do here, but this is the favorite part of what I do here. I love coming up here, and I love sharing scripture with you and encouraging you to walk in. And I hope that God uses me in an awesome uh, way this, this whole month. In fact, we're starting a new series today. And this series is called FBC Life. Now, if you've spent any time around FBC, you've heard about FBC Life, but it's worship, serve, and connect. And as we do those things, we will reach the world. So uh, this month, that's what we're going to be looking at, worship, serve, connect, and reach. And uh, you have heard me talk about this numerous times. You've heard the pastor talk about it a lot. All of the other staff have talked about FBC Life. You see it on screens. Uh, You see it in uh, right above uh, the Welcome Center. You see a big thing about FBC Life, worship, serve, connect. Uh, Not only that, but even at the cafe, we have FBC Life merch, all right? So we've like, we're like, okay, we want these people to get involved in our church and worship and serve and connect. So we're gonna put it on a hat. So you can actually buy a hat at the cafe with it. We have shirts that have FBC life on it, all right? If you're a guest, you can go to the Welcome Center and they're gonna give you a big, bright orange bag with FBC life, worship, serve, and connect right on it. And you know what you can put in that little bag? You can put a coffee mug that says FBC life, worship, serve, and connect. Do you know what you could put into that coffee mug before you put it into the bag? Our little post-its that say FBC life, worship, serve, and connect. So, There's kind of a theme running here. This is what FBC wants you to do, but it's not just that we want you to do it. It's because these themes run throughout all of scripture. In fact, when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking what I'll do is I'll just go to one of those places in scripture and I'll say, okay, this scripture, this person says you should worship, so you should worship, and I'd encourage you with that, and you can all go home. And uh, the same thing with serve and connect and reach, I was, that's kind of what I was thinking. Except something kept gnawing at me. And it was Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 says this, that we who have placed our faith in Jesus are constantly being conformed into his image. What does that mean? That means that God, through the Holy Spirit, is sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus. And so as we talk about FBC life, it's not that FBC is the authority and says you should worship, serve, and connect. It's not that at all. It's, it's honestly not even that the Bible says to do those things, though it does, and that is good. The main thrust of this whole series that we're going to be in is we want to worship, serve, and connect and reach because we want to be like Jesus. We want to be Christ-like. That's why FBC says these things. It's not because we have the corner on what you should do. It is because Jesus has saved you and you love him so much, you want to be like him. There's a commercial in 1992 I was 12 years old when this commercial came out, and this commercial really changed my life. I absolutely loved this commercial. It did a few things, uh, but before I tell you what this commercial did in my life, I I wanna just preface it by saying some of you are going to hate me later today. 
when you can't get this song out of your head, all right? I designed it that way. I'm trying to mess with you. I'm trying to plant this idea in your head. And some of you have angered me in the past. And frankly, this is just revenge. (laughs) So this commercial did three things to me when I was 12 years old. First of all, it made me want to play in the NBA for the Chicago Bulls. And if you know anything about me, I was not even close to doing that. All right, not even close. The second thing that it did, it made me want to drink Gatorade, all right? Before this commercial, I didn't care about Gatorade. Literally didn't care about it, didn't care. But I saw this commercial and I was like, Mom, Dad, we need cases of Gatorade. I always need access to this. Because the third thing that this commercial did is it made me want to be like Mike. Take a look at this commercial. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I move. I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Oh, if I could be like Mike. Like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. Yeah, I try. I mean, after I saw that commercial as a 12-year-old, I would leave my house and I was six foot six, just like Michael Jordan. I was, when I played basketball, I was leading the Chicago Bulls to another NBA championship and I could dunk. It didn't matter that my goal was only four feet off the ground, all right? It didn't matter. I could dunk. I mean, didn't it inspire you even just watching it now? You're like, wow, that was a pretty good commercial. I think it's the best commercial of all time, hands down. You can disagree, but I have the stage, so you can't say anything. Uh, Here's the thing. We here at FBC don't want you to worship, serve, and connect because we say so. We want you to be like Christ. We know that that's what's best for you. And he worshiped and he served and he connected. Even his followers did. In fact, in Antioch, all right, the word for Christ uh, in Greek is Christos. In Antioch, the followers of Christos, followers of Christ were called Christianos. Why? Because they were so very much like Christ. And so that's why we are now called Christians because we are like him or we're supposed to be. And so that's where we're really going this entire series. Here's, here's what I want to ask you though, before we get started. And it's really the thrust of this whole message. Will you let this series help you be more like Jesus? We're going to be here for four weeks. This is week one. Will you let this series take you through what we're gonna look at and how we look at Jesus and how we look at these things in his life. And will you let it work in your life so that you're more like Jesus? I hope that you do. Well, today we're gonna start with worship and that's the title of today's sermon. I know it took me a long time to get that. FBC Life, the next word in that is worship. Yeah, I just went with it. It was really hard. And you guys, if you guys ever need any ideas, I'm your idea, man, come to me. Let me define worship for you as we get started. Worship is knowing 
and treasuring and expressing God's worth to him and to others. That is what worship is. And there's three types of worship that we're going to talk about today. Uh, first, you have private worship, okay? This is worship that you do in private. It's not with a lot of other people or anything like that. Jesus would often practice this in his ministry. He would withdraw to lonely places, it says. He would get away from the crowd. He would get away from his disciples. He would even pull away from his innermost disciples. And he would get away and he would pray and he would worship the Lord all by himself. But then there's another kind of worship. There's corporate worship. And for corporate worship today, you're all getting an A because this is corporate worship. When you gather together to worship God, it is a beautiful thing. And it's something that we can't substitute. We can't say, well, I'm not going to go to corporate worship because I'm doing private worship. No, all of these three forms of worship should be found in your life. The third is just a lifestyle of worship. You were created to worship God. And so you should live a life that worships God, all right? And so those are kind of the three arenas that we're going to be talking about today. And as I was thinking about this whole series, I, I was wondering did Jesus worship God? And I was like, well, the easy answer is absolutely. But then you start thinking about it and you're like, well, hold on, hold on. Jesus is God. So did he worship God? And was he worshiping himself? And is that okay? And what is the deal with this? And so I, I, I thought about this uh, a lot. And, and here, here's what I came up with. Jesus is God, 100% God, Okay. So we cannot forget that, but we can't forget also that he is 100% man. And Jesus being God has never been and never will be God the Father. He is God the Son, all right? And God the Son, when he was on earth, his name was Jesus. And Jesus as a man worshiped God in everything that he did. So here's the first thing that I want you to see about this whole message. It's kind of the overarching principle is that Jesus worshiped the Father perfectly. In every single thing that Jesus did, he worshiped the Father and he did it so perfectly, more perfectly than you and I can ever do it. So I, I kind of want to look at Jesus's life. Let's look at worship in Jesus's life. Let's see how Jesus worshiped in his own life. Now, he would have started uh, just like any of us, all right? He was born, he was born in, though, into a Jewish family. And we know a little about how Jewish families would raise their children a long time ago, like when Jesus was growing up. And so if you had been born in, and like Jesus was to a, to a Jewish father and a Jewish mother, uh, your whole childhood would really revolve around the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible, okay? And as soon as you could speak, your parents would begin to help you memorize scripture. And they would start in Leviticus, the most riveting of all Bible books, okay? I don't know why they started there, but that's why they, that's, they did start there. And so this little child, as soon as they could speak, was, was speaking the words of God. And then they would be trained to read some biblical Hebrew just enough so they could kind of read it and then memorize it, all right? And then at around the age of five or six, they would receive some extra training, not in the home training, but outside of the home training. And this training would really focus on like a commentary of the first five books of the Bible. So you've memorized a lot of this. Now let's tell you about it. And here's what this teaches, all right? And that training would be done at about age 13, 
All right? We don't know if Jesus had more training than that. We assume that he did because uh, he was pretty much a whiz with, uh, with the Hebrew scriptures. I mean, incredible. And so uh, you have Jesus probably going through something similar to what I just explained. And also being born into a Jewish home, one of the things that would have, would have happened is you would probably have gone to synagogue if that was an option for you. That was kind of like church. It was an extension of the temple in localities so that people can go and hear the scriptures uh, be read. And probably Jesus participated in that as well. His parents would have also made trips to Jerusalem. All right, especially for Passover. Every year they would have gone to Jerusalem for Passover. And when Jesus was 12, they still did that. And one time, this is what happened uh, on that journey. They, they went up to Jerusalem. They were going to worship. All the festivities were done. And uh, the family heads back to Nazareth. And probably with most of the village of Nazareth, they would have traveled back to Nazareth. All right. And the kids were probably just running around like kids do. And... Uh, Joseph and Mary realize uh, Jesus isn't here. He's not here with us. He's 12, and he's not here, which means he's lost. And so they head back to Jerusalem for three days. Can you imagine this? Three days, they don't know where Jesus is, all right? Finally, they find Jesus in the temple, and he's sitting with these people, and he's asking them questions, and then they're asking him questions, and they are astounded at how much this 12-year-old knows. His mom comes in and says, Jesus, we've been looking for you for days. Why did you do this to us? And he said, why have you been looking for me? Don't you know that I would be in my father's house? It was a house of worship, wasn't it? Of course Jesus would be there. He's the son of God. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. Of course he would be in the temple worshiping his father. I think as a boy growing up into a man, passing through the, the temple uh, and everything, he finally went back uh, with his parents and Jesus continued to grow. And the next time we know anything about Jesus, he's being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. It's an awesome scene. Uh, as soon as he's baptized, the heavens open up. The spirit of God descends like a dove onto Jesus and a voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And so we now know that Jesus is the son of God. He has been baptized. He has the Holy Spirit. And that actually leads us to the passage that we're going to be in today because the passage that we're looking at today is Jesus's temptation. When Satan tempts Jesus, and I need to say this before we get into it. This was Real. This happened just on the heels. I mean, like as soon as Jesus was baptized, all of those things happened. This story happened. Immediately he, he was led out to this happening that we're gonna look at right now. Let me also say that not only was it a real uh, encounter with Satan, but the temptations were also real. A lot of people say, well, the temptation wasn't real because he was God and you can't tempt God. No, these, listen, the Bible presents it as a real event and as real temptation, and that's what we need to take it as. And so that's what we'll take it as. So here, here's the first thing I want you to see as we get started into this uh, chapter. Jesus honored God by relying on God, 
All right, so you can open your Bibles to Matthew 4. Uh, We're going to be in verses 1 through 11, and we're just going to go through this verse by verse, and we're going to see how Jesus worshiped. But that very first thing, he honored God by relying on God. That's what we're going to look at first. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, all right? As soon as Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Luke says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And now we hear that he was led by the Spirit. The word is actually drove. The Spirit drove him out into the wilderness, all right? Jesus was Spirit-filled and being led by God, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness, and it was for a purpose, to be tempted by the devil. That word tempt, that word tempt means to test. Now, let me just say this. If the devil or Satan is tempting you, All right, this is what that means. He's not trying to see if you come out okay. What he's trying to do is ruin everything, ruin your life, get you to sin. And there's there's no exception with what he's doing with Jesus now. Listen, Satan always wants to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord. He is trying to, to thwart God's plan for redemption of all of mankind. And he knows if I can just get Jesus to sin, against the Father. He cannot pay for the sins of everyone. He can't be the Messiah. He will, I will ruin everything. Everything will be perfect the way that he would want it to be. The word devil there is, uh, it actually means accuser or slanderer. So this is, this is how we are to think of Satan, of the devil. He is a slanderer. He wants to accuse us. He wants to ruin us just like he wants to ruin Jesus and his future ministry. Let's go to the next verse. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Well, that's an understatement, right? (laughs) 40 days and 40 nights, no food. Yeah, I'd say that Jesus was hungry. I think sometimes we think, though, well, he was God. He couldn't have been too hungry. No, he, he was a man. Don't forget that Jesus Christ is man. He is just like you and me. So as we would be after 40 days and 40 nights of no food, we would be weak we would be vulnerable and we would be hungry. We'd probably be hangry, honestly. We would be hungry. We would want all of these things. God, uh, sorry, Jesus, desiring these things is not a bad thing. He was hungry, he desired food. He was weak, he desired strength, okay? That is okay, those are not sins in and of himself. Those are human desires and they're Okay, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. This should kind of remind you of the story of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And they failed in the wilderness. Hopefully now we get to see Jesus succeed in the wilderness. So he's hungry. And this is when Satan decides to attack. Let's go to verse three. And the tempter came and he said to him, if you're the son of God, hold on. Why would he say if? 40 days earlier, Jesus was baptized. A voice from heaven says, this is my son. And now Satan says, if you're the son of God. Just trying to throw some doubt in there with it. If you're the son of God, you have some power. So why don't you command that these stones become bread, then you can eat because you're really hungry. And Jesus, he's not gonna fall for it. He knows that if he does that, he'll be relying on himself and his own power. And he won't do that because he knows the most important thing for him is to rely 
on God and his power. He knows if God wants to feed me, he'll feed me. I'm not going to bypass it. That would be a sin. You know how he answers with scripture? Probably one that he learned as a child. Let's go to verse four. Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread isn't the only thing that keeps us alive, but man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, as a man, humbled himself under the scriptures. Why? Because he was a man. What were the scriptures for? It was God revealing himself to man. And as a man, Jesus was like, these scriptures then are for me and I will adopt them. And it says that I will live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I'm not gonna rely on myself. I'm only going to rely on God. And in that, I will worship God. Next thing I want you to see is that Jesus honored God by trusting in God. Jesus honored God by trusting in God. Let's go to the next verse. Then the devil took him to the holy city. All right, he passed the first temptation on to the next. The devil took him to the holy city, that's Jerusalem. And he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. It was probably a patio that had a 450 foot drop. You could have seen everything there. And this is what Satan says. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he decides to use some scripture now. He's actually, Satan is actually quoting scripture to Jesus. He's like, all right, if you got through my first temptation by quoting what you should do in the revealed word of God, I will use the revealed word of God also, but I'm gonna twist it and I'm gonna turn it. I'm trying to get you to fail. Satan says, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. If you jump off, the angels will come. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. The temptation here is for Jesus to not fully trust God and have to test him out a little bit. Is that what Jesus needs to do? That's the temptation. Let's see what Jesus does. Again, he quotes from Deuteronomy. Jesus says to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus says this, I'm not gonna jump off of here to see if God will send his angels to save me because I know that God will always send his angels when he's ready. And I don't want to jump ahead of what he wants to do. I am not going to trust and trust in myself and test God. It's interesting. Satan is breaking this law right now as he's tempting Jesus. How's he doing that? Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan is breaking it. He wants Jesus to break it too. Satan is breaking it because he is tempting or testing his Lord in all of these temptations. Jesus Christ is Lord even of Satan. He's breaking this and sinning. Next thing that I want us to see is that Jesus worshiped God exclusively. Jesus worshiped God 100% exclusively. He wouldn't worship anyone else. And again, he's gonna quote scripture. Let's go to verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. A lot of people wanna speculate which mountain that was. I don't know, it was a high one. It's not really a big deal. And he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world, probably in an instant. I don't know, in some spiritual way or something, he did this. 
And he shows all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory, kings, their kingdoms, multiple places on earth. And this is what Satan says. All of these I'll give to you if you just fall down and worship me. A common posture in worship is falling to your knees in worship of someone. Satan's not sugarcoating anything anymore. He's like, just look, don't worry, worry about relying on God and trusting in God. Listen, don't even worship God. Worship me and all of this can be yours. The temptation here is to forsake the worship of the Father and to worship the Father's enemy. It would, been, it would have been a switch of allegiances. And Jesus isn't having it. He quotes scripture again from Deuteronomy. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus being a man, knowing that the scriptures were revealed for him to follow, says, I'm only going to worship God. I will not ever worship anyone else because God has revealed to me that I should only worship or serve him and him alone. I won't do this. Then we get to verse 11. This is awesome. Then the devil left him, the accuser, the tempter, the tester, he's gone. And behold, angels came and they were ministering to him. Isn't that cool? Do you remember in the second temptation? Satan said, hey, if you jump off, the angels will come. God will send them. And Jesus is like, no, if God wants to send angels, he'll send angels. If he wants me to eat, he'll send me food to eat. And so after all of these temptations, guess what God does? He sends the angels and they minister to Jesus. I'm guessing, I don't know, this is speculation, bread from heaven. I'm just saying, he's in the wilderness. The last people who were in the wilderness, they received bread from heaven on the ground. Jesus would provide for them, even in their failure. And of course, God is going to provide for his son in the desert. So after all of the temptations, the angels come, they're ministering to him. They probably, that probably would have included food. It probably would have included talking and things like that. But God did it because Jesus passed through those temptations without sinning. So in the face of temptation, Jesus worshiped God. Did you know you were created to worship? I really hope that that's not a big surprise. You were created to worship God in a world chock full of temptation. Isn't that the world that we're living in? A world chock full of temptation. There's so many things that are trying to pull our attention and our desires, our values away from God. And here we are in the midst with our faith and we're trying to worship God in this world chock full of temptation. I'm not sure what this looks like in your life. I don't know how it all works out. Maybe let's just think about in the sphere of worship, what are those things in your life that are keeping you from being like Jesus in worship? Is it laziness? I don't know. I, just, I don't, I don't want to worship God today. Is it maybe that you just think you don't have enough time and you need more time? And so you're using that as an excuse to not worship privately or corporately or just as your lifestyle? Maybe you just think you're just too busy. You have so many other things. You're, you're a dad and you're, uh, you're 
a, the head of your company and you have all of these things, you're a husband, you have all of these things to get your attention and maybe there's, you think, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time for God. Maybe there's some sin in your life or some person in your life that's hindering you from worshiping God like Jesus did. But I hope that the desire in your heart would be to overcome all of those temptations and worship like Jesus did. We started this whole message out saying that Jesus worshiped the Father perfectly. But here's how I wanna end. Because Jesus worshiped the Father perfectly, you should too. He's your example. Paul says we are being made into his image. God is making us be more like Jesus all the time. And so because Jesus worshiped perfectly, what do I wanna do? I wanna worship. Just like that commercial made me wanna drink Gatorade, be like Mike, be 6'6", and take the Chicago Bulls to the championship. I hope that this whole series, and today we could look at Jesus and the way that he worshiped, and I hope that something starts welling up inside of us, and we say, Oh my gosh, Jesus worshiped God perfectly. If he did that and he saved me, I wanna worship God too with everything that I am. Will you let this series help you get closer to Jesus? Will you let it help you be more like Jesus? There's so many different situations in a room like this so many different temptations that may get in the way of you worshiping like your savior and you becoming more like him in worship. I don't know what that is in your individual life. Maybe I touched on it, maybe I didn't. But in just a moment, if you need to pray with somebody and say, I need some help with this, we're gonna have pastors here and we can just pray with you. If you're looking for a church that upholds worship and values being Christ-like, in our world of temptations, maybe you wanna join a church like that. You can come and say, hey, I'd like to be part of a church. Maybe you haven't heard much about Jesus. Maybe after hearing about this part of Jesus's life, you're like, yeah, I do wanna be like Jesus. Well, then you need to know Jesus. So come up to one of the pastors and say, I'd like to know Jesus. But listen, no matter what you do in your life for the next week, let's remember that Jesus Christ worshiped and we are to be like him. So let's worship God as he did. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so very much for your word. It speaks to us. We love it. We thank you for Jesus's life. We thank you that he did not succumb to temptation. He never sinned. We thank you for Jesus who is 100% man and 100% God that could represent us before you and pay for all of our sin. We thank you for his example. Help us be more like Christ. In Jesus' name.